I know what you guys are thinking. What's in the bag? What's in the bag? What's he going to pull on us? Out of sight, out of mind, until the proper time. As Ryan has said, um, I'm David Souther, and I have the privilege of serving uh, as president of Avantel Ministries here in Dallas, Texas, and it's a pleasure to be here with you because the marathon class, since I've been at Vantel since 2006, have been faithful supporters of us, both in your giving, in your volunteering, in your encouragement, in your prayers. Several of you have, uh, have served as board members. Uh, I can think of Taylor and Rex and Barbara. I'm not sure if Barbara is here today. We've had some staff members from your class, including Mary Margaret Gibson, and we've had some volunteers, and so I'm just thankful just to be here in, in front of you today. And some of you may not be familiar with Avantel. You may say, what is Avantel? Well, we're simply a parachurch ministry. We come alongside churches in order to help them train their members to go and tell the gospel. In other words, Avantel prepares you to go and to tell the greatest news in the world the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we do. We do that here with partnerships throughout America, and we do that throughout the world. In fact, part of our strategy is to find churches in areas around the world, in countries, and we particularly focus on countries where they may be closed, the gospel can't be shared openly. We go and train leaders to train their members how to share the gospel and give them encouragement to do so, and to overcome the obstacles that keep us from sharing the gospel, including fear, including sort of the insecurity of not knowing how. We cover all these things to free people up to go and share the gospel. And if you know our founder, which most of you do, Larry Moyer, Larry's testimony is a miracle in and of itself because Larry had an sp inherited speech defect so severe he could not even pronounce the word T-H-E, the, correctly. But one day he said, Lord, if you will use me, I, you know, if you will use me, I will give the rest of my life to you. And he said after that point, he had a control over his speech he's never had before, and God has used him as an evangelist to impact people across the United States and around the world. But the, just the, in the same way God helped Larry to overcome the obstacle that was in his way to share the gospel, and now he's preaching to thousands of people around the world. Um, so our ministry is all about helping you overcome whatever obstacle you have in order to free you up and go and share the gospel. And as I said, we do that here and we do that internationally. I have a, a report that I want to give you from some of our partners in China. And you, you may be aware, you may not, that Avantel um, every year takes a group of pastors from China, brings them into another country that I won't say because I think this is being recorded, and ha takes a week with them, sharing with them how to preach evangelistic sermons, how to lead their church to grow by conversion, and how to, uh, you know, train their members to share the gospel. So what we're doing when we bring them out of the country, we're training the trainers, sending them back into the country so they can train other people without 
our direct presence there, multiplying the ministry. So, so far since 2016, we have trained over 250 pastors from China, brought them out for a week, sent them back in, and they also have very creative ways of reproducing our materials. I'm not going to go into detail about how they do that, but they get it done. And uh, so, these days, today, when you think of China, what are you thinking about? The coronavirus. I just want to take a minute to read you a first-hand account from some of our pastors there and show you how even though the situation is very dark and grim with the coronavirus, God is still at work. I'm only going to read parts of it. It says, this is a true report, as all the information are from our friends in China over the last few days. You probably read a lot of news articles, but this is the real situation firsthand. It says, the coronavirus has been spread to every province throughout China, and the situation is very difficult for all the citizens in China, regardless of whether one has contracted the virus or not. It is extremely difficult for the house churches in China, as most villages, towns, and cities and provinces are very condensed and geographically close, and citizens can only stay home, and each family can only send one family member every two days to go out and buy food. And that's a government-mandated thing. In many parts of China, the government-imposed curfews feel a lot like imprisonment. But God's servants continue to teach and preach their congregations using social media networks like WeChat. So in other words, where they can, they're able to use their cell phones and, and, and do their teaching online so that the people that are at home with their cell phones can listen. Very creative way to do it. It says there are 24-hour prayer chains all over China, and there are non-Christians joining the church through WeChat. Because many people will just tune in, just wanting to talk to somebody or be up on it. And they, hey, hey, my neighbor's into this. Why don't I listen? People are coming to Christ through that. Some pastors are fearlessly going out, going out of their homes to reach out to the needy and give them masks and food, then sharing the gospel with them. Some pastors even give masks, eyeglasses, and tracts to the government officials and police and share the gospel with them as well. And they included photos. I mean, I, I, obviously I can't display them, but if you want to see them after the service, I'd be glad. It says, these three photos show the pastor on the right still visiting the sick and, and lonely people, praying for them and sharing the gospel with them. He cannot afford to buy masks. But instead, he, ta he makes and takes food to the poor. And there's a little picture. If you ever, you've eaten Chinese food, there's little Chinese donuts. He's going and distributing them as a light in the darkness. It says, almost all the churches in China in the last two weeks, because of the quarantine, cannot meet physically. But they never stop worshiping the Lord. And again, they use social media groups to chat and to worship and sing together. Pastors preach and teach and pray together on WeChat. But after preaching for 45 minutes, some of the pastors receive a message on their phone saying illegal action, 
and then their phone is shut down. Then he said they're so resilient, they'll just log back on using a different name. <laughs> and he, he says they try to open an account to continue to preach. Please pray for them. This WeChat message, and there's a particular message here, is from a Communist Party official who is a hidden Christian, informing our group that the, Ch- the Chinese government asked all of their officials not to tell people in China and outside of Ch- China any information about the coronavirus. In fact, they say practice the five don'ts. Don't talk about the virus. Don't receive any messages. Don't listen to any outside sources. Don't believe anything. And don't pass on any messages you receive. And it says the message ends with a reminder that this is the duty of every official to keep their work um, under wraps. And I've got a picture here of a Christian nurse serving at the 5th Wuhan Hospital where 80% of the patients in the hospital have this virus. It says the the gospel continues to be shared by our fearless pastors, as mentioned earlier in the report. And he re- includes a picture of a, one of the pastors sharing the gospel with a policeman on the street. And it says in a lot of homes, you know, sometimes in, in China they have messages at their front door as a blessing to someone. Nowadays they said the blessing sounds something like this. If you c- and this is translated in Chinese, so it'll be a little awkward, but you'll get the gist. If you come and visit me, my heart will get scared. If I go visit you, visit you, you will be nervous. Let me love you, you love me, and let's just cease socializing temporarily. And then he sends a picture of the streets, and they're utterly empty. And I want to close with this. Um, it says, God continues to use the current difficult situation to bring Christians in China to trust and obey God to a greater degree. And I just think of what an awesome perspective that is. As well as to love everyone around them and to serve the community and the nation so that our Lord will be glorified. Um, Amazing things still happen in China as God is in control and his people respond to his call. Amen? Amen? So in your private prayer time, remember our brothers and sisters in China, and I'll tell you folks, I've just had the privilege of working with them uh, over the years, and I'm telling you, if God ever opens the door for Chinese citizens to go out as missionaries, being able to free and travel, watch out. It's going to be a huge wave of the Lord, an advancement of the gospel. And so that's the first thing I wanted to cover. just wanted to give you an update and uh, a little overview of Vantel. The second thing I want to do is if you'll look in your notes, you'll flip it over and you will see something that says bold, radical, and courageous. Just look in your notes. Bold, radical, and courageous. Consider that your invitation to our annual lunch coming up. It's at April 28th. It's at the Weston Galleria in Dallas. The event is free. The food is free. We ask you to come. You can get an update on how Avantel's doing. We would love to have you. If you want to come, just send an email to rsvp at evantel.org. It's listed right there under your ticket. We would love to have you. Some of you have sponsored tables in the past, 
And what do we mean by sponsor a table? It doesn't mean you have to pay for the table. You just agree to bring people with you. The tables are 10. You bring yourself and nine others. You may say, David, I don't know nine other people who want to come. You can sponsor a half table. Bring four or five with you. Let us know if you want to sponsor a table. We would love to see you there. And quite frankly, part of my highlight of being at these lunches in the past have been seeing the folks from Marathon make the trip and come and listen. And it's going to be worth your while to come um, because David Nasser is an evangelist. He was born in Iran. He, um, at the age of 18, turned from Islam and turned to Christ and put his faith and trust in Jesus alone. And God has used him in a mighty way as an evangelist. Would love for you to come and hear him because, let's face it, we all know evangelism. God has, has commanded us to go out and share the gospel, but sometimes we need things to help us stoke the fire. You know, when I was little, you know, we had a, we had a, a fireplace. This was before we had gas logs. You know, we'd chop wood, throw wood on there, get the kindling, start the fire, and it'd burn for an hour or two. But then what would you need to do? You need to go out and get another log, put it on the fire to help the fire keep going. And sometimes we all need that evangelistic encouragement. We need that evangelistic booster shot to keep the gospel on the forefront of our mind and to keep us motivated. And I promise you, you come to hear David, you're going to walk away pumped because he lives and breathes the gospel, wants to encourage you in the gospel, make a date. And like I said, I love to see the marathon members there. In fact, I used to joke with Rex and Barbara that I consider you guys the marathon mafia. And you may say, mafia, that's bad. No, I, I use it as a term in affection because you guys have been such an, an encouragement to me, an encouragement to our ministry. So we'd love to see you the 28th to see David Nasser there. He is the VP of Students, Student Development at Liberty University, but he's a prominent speaker. Would love to have you there. Now, let me pray for us, then I'm going to jump into the Word, uh, and hopefully we can get out early today. I want to jump right into the Word, so let's pray. Lord, I just um, thank you for the privilege of being here. I pray that I would decrease, Lord, and you would increase during this moment, and that you would open hearts and minds around the room to hear your Word, Lord. Um, I pray that as I speak, they wouldn't hear, just hear me but they would hear the Lord Jesus and exactly what he wants them to hear for this time and place. So we just commit this time to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, as you know, you know, I'm with Avantel, and part of my job at Avantel is travel. I started as international director, and... Um, Part of my responsibility of, of being international, international director is traveling. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know if you travel much, but travel can be challenging. In fact, you have to get yourself prepared to travel. Now, that includes, for me, packing my suitcase well. And it's funny, when I first started at Avantail, I thought I had to pack everything, including the kitchen sink. What are this? Throw it in there. And, you know, I, I wound up, you know, being in foreign lands, pulling two suitcases around. And finally, I just said, this is ridiculous. So God has taught me how to effectively and efficiently pack 
Don't fold, roll it up, and now I almost can get it all in one carry-on. But I have to prepare in advance to do that. I have to prepare just to get to the airport. I have to leave on time. I have to make sure I get there early because you never know what's going to happen at the airport. And I love evangelism. I love to be an optimist. But when it comes to travel, I'm a pessimist. I have to prepare for the worst thing that could possibly happen. Then if it doesn't, awesome. But if it does, at least I'm prepared. And that includes going up even to go through the, uh, you know, the search process and to go through the detectors. And there's one rule, I think, that applies to me when I, when I approach, and I've got four different lines to choose from to go through. It always works out that whatever line I choose is going to be the slowest line going through. In fact, I thought I could circumvent that, and I signed up for the TSA pre-check, and I thought, this is going to be great. Um, what I found is sometimes the pre-check line is just as crowded and the first, this is just the Lord saying, David, I'm teaching you patience here. The first two times I went through the TSA line, I was randomly selected for a full body pat down. So you just have to be prepared. Even getting on the plane and getting them in my seat, I'm six foot six. Those plane seats are, are designed for people that are five six. And so I'm sitting there like this, and I'm looking. And I used to look at the people entering the plane after me because I, I, I usually get on, you know, one of the, on one of the first groups because I travel so much. So I'm sitting there, and I used to think, oh, there's a very small lady. I sure hope she's sitting by me. <laughs> I don't do that anymore. What I do is I say, what's the? I just plan on the biggest guy. In the entire plane, the widest guy, the Dallas Cowboys lineman sitting by me. Then when it doesn't happen, it's fine. And one more thing, when I'm on an international flight, because, you know, flying to Asia, can be, it can be a 14, 15-hour flight if you leave from DFW. And I'll be on the plane sometimes. And I do love to have people sitting next to me because... God, time and again, has brought someone to sit next to me where I needed to share the gospel or I needed to give them encouragement. It's one of those divine assignments. But there are times when I'm so tired, I'm like, Lord, wouldn't it be great to have this flight off and to have this seat be empty? So I'm sitting there, and sometimes I'll have an empty seat, and I'm just watching that door, watching that door. And then that door will, you know, that door, they'll close the door, and you'll hear the glock. And no one else is coming, and that's when I go from this to, <sighs> and I just spread out. But the thing is, you just have to prepare uh, for, to fly. You have to prepare for those magic words that you hear the pilot say. He says, flight attendants, prepare for departure. And you know you're locked, loaded. They're doing the last-minute preparations to get ready to take off. Our text today um, is going to be a different kind of departure. It's at the Apostle Paul. He's writing to Timothy. He's on the last legs of his ministry. And today we're going to cover a text that, that in, in, you know, in my simple way of just giving you an overview, these are Paul's last words as he prepares for departure from this life. 
Let me read those to you. They're, they're there on your text or if you have your Bibles. This is out of the New King James Version. He's talking to Timothy. He's ready for departure. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me only, but to all who have loved his appearing. So today we're going to talk about preparing for departure. But we're going to put a little twist on it. And you may say, David, come on. You know, the marathon class, we're a group of seasoned citizens. Notice I didn't say senior citizens. Seasoned citizens. Do you really want to bring this up? Well, let me tell you, this message is not just for folks that are in their final laps. This is a message for anybody. Why? Because, number one, we know that life itself is a mist. It's here today, gone tomorrow. We're never guaranteed one more day on this earth. Whether we're 18, whether we're 40, whether we're 80, whether we're 100, we're not guaranteed one more day. So we constantly have to be prepared for departure. And the second thing I would say is, if you read the writings of Paul, if you analyze his letters, you will see that he was always ready for departure. In his writings, he say, hey, Christ could come back from his church any day, any moment. We need to be prepared. And Paul also knew with all the struggles he had and all the things that he had going on, he could lose his life any day. Therefore, Paul says, hey, you need to start living today being prepared for departure. But here's my big idea. I'm going to lay it out for you up front from this text. The best way to prepare for your departure in this life is to prepare for your arrival in the next The best way you can prepare for your departure from this life is to prepare for your arrival in the next. I mean, after all, isn't the arrival why we travel in the first place? I don't go through all that stuff with TSA and all that pain stuff just because I'm departing. (laughs) It's not how you take off. It's how you arrive and where you arrive. That's the whole point of the trip. It's the reason we travel. So we need to keep our eyes not only on departing this life, but we need to look at the next life and say, what do I want my arrival to look like? Now, I know what you guys, some of you guys are thinking. You think, David, hey, I'm prepared for the next life. I'm prepared to arrive. I've got my ticket to heaven. I've put my faith alone in Christ alone. I am rock solid in my salvation and I, uh, I, I'm ready. And, to, and if you are that, in that position, I say, awesome, that's wonderful, that's great. In fact, I contrast this, I hate, I, I hate to get political anytime, and I'm not going to, but one of the current candidates was interviewed on 60 Minutes, and somehow the topic of the afterlife came up. And you know what he said? He said, hey, when that time comes, my resume is ready. My resume is ready. I've got a whole list of things that I have done, and I don't think I will have any problem 
when I get there. Folks, if we are depending on our resume to get to heaven, and that's what's on our ticket, you might want to recheck your destination. You may not arrive where you think you're going to arrive. You know, if God ever asked me, why should I let you into the kingdom? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say, Lord, you remember that song? Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. That's all I'm holding on to. That's all I'm holding on to. Yeah, I was, I've had the privilege of serving you. I've had the privilege of, 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 of attending churches. I've had the privilege of serving you in your kingdom. But all that doesn't mean anything. The only thing compared with what Christ has done for me. And if that doesn't do it, nothing's going to. Amen? Amen. So some of you are like, yep, prepared, prepared for the next one, prepared. That's great. You're prepared to enter heaven. But I know you guys, you guys that have been around for sound biblical teaching in this church, you know that when we arrive or when Christ comes back for his church, there's going to be some things that happen. There's going to be, even though you are in heaven and you're guaranteed nothing's ever going to take that away from you because of what Jesus has done for you and you put your faith in that, there's going to be an evaluation of your life and my life when we get there. And God's going to evaluate our lives. And, and the evaluation is going to be based on, David, how much did you avail yourself to me for me to do my work through you? In other words, he's going to evaluate how much he was able to use you in this life, to serve, benefit, reach, minister to other people. There will be an evaluation. Not only will there be evaluation, but as Paul alluded to in this verse, there'll be an evaluation and a reward based on that evaluation. And you may say, does everybody get the same award? No. There's different levels of reward that we receive and not only do we get rewards, check this out, and I'm not going to go into detail, but you guys are well ingrained in the New Testament. There's not only rewards, there's assignments giving, given out for when we are in the next life, in the millennial kingdom and into eternity. And those assignments that we're giving, given, the awards we are given are based on what happens in this life. So, okay, thank God you got your ticket punched to heaven. And if any of you, if what I've said about resumes and stuff throw, threw you off and you're like, what's he talking about? Please come see me or come see Taylor or Rex or, or, any, or any of the other officers here in the, or Ryan, any of the other, or Jim, any of the officers there. But what we're talking about today is not just entering heaven. It's the rewards. It's the evaluation. It's the assignments. Now, let's get to it real quick. What does Paul teach us? What does Paul teach us about that? Check this out. He says, you know, he's talking to Timothy, and he's just discharged all of these pastoral duties for Timothy. They're not only pastoral duties, they're duties for believers too. If you look, do the work of an evangelist. Um, keep the faith. Stay strong. And, but then he says, for, the reason I'm telling all you, you this, Timothy, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. Well, what, do I, what does he mean by being poured out? That verb is passive, meaning 
Paul is the one that is being poured out. And the one that is using Paul and pouring him out is the Lord. Now, what do I mean by that? This is one thing that's in the bag. Watering can. And what Paul is referring to is, okay, here's Paul, the contents and the, and the, and the watering can. Here's the Lord. Paul is being poured out. And what do you mean by poured out? Paul is being poured out to serve others. Paul is being poured out to minister to others. Paul is being poured out even as he writes this letter to Timothy. And little did Paul know that he was actually pouring into our lives because I don't think Paul had any idea that millions upon millions of people were going to read this very letter. And finally, Paul was being poured out because Paul knew he was going to go testify before Caesar and he was going to seal his testimony with his own blood and his life was going to be given. So you know that verse in Romans 12.1 where it says, I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to what? Offer your bodies a living and, a living and holy sacrifice to the Lord. Paul was saying, hey, I'm offering myself to God as a sacrifice for him to use. And not only that, I'm literally offering myself as a sacrifice. My life is being poured out. Same principle applies to you and to me. Now, how many of you have the New Living Translation? How many of you have the New? What's the New Living Translation say? Okay, the New Living says, my life has already been poured out. I love the Bible. That's not the most accurate translation. How many of you have either the New American Standard or the New King James? Can you read that? Well, it's here on your, it's here on your paper. It's not that it's already been poured out. It's, for I am already being poured out. He was in the process of being poured out. It's not that he was looking back thinking, oh, I've already done this. I'm re-. No, he was in the process of being poured out. This, is, this verb tense is called present tense. If I say to you, I breathe, that doesn't mean that I breathe and then I'm done. It's a continual process of breathing. Paul says, no, it's not just that I have been poured out. I am in the process of being poured out. In other words, Paul says, even in my old age, even where I am in prison, even though I'm beaten, battered, and torn, even though I'm chained to one of these gods, God is still using me and pouring me out to bless other people. And you know, that's a word for us, because sometimes we think regarding our future, we think, man, you know, I'm retired you know, I'm on, the, I'm on the downhill slope here. I'm, I'm on the downhill run. I'm finishing up. You know, maybe I need to take a step back. <laughs> you need to be like Paul. You are still being poured out to others. You can still avail yourself for God to use to pour into the lives of people with encouragement, with sharing the gospel, with praying for people, Whatever it is, you can do it. You know, Billy Graham at the end of his life, and all of you know who Billy Graham is, but I find more and more I have to tell people who he is because the younger generations don't know. 
great evangelist, preached to thousands, preached to millions of people, such a dynamic presence. But at the end of his life, he's laid up in bed. He's, uh, you know, he, he, he goes in and out. His son reported all through those years while he was not able to go out and preach to millions, he was still praying for people. He would still receive visitors to encourage them in the faith. Folks, Billy Graham was still poured out. And, and wherever you are in life, because let's face it, you may be retired from your job, but there is no retirement in the kingdom. There is no retirement in God's economy. We still can get assignments from him. We can still be um, aligned with him and get, hey, God, I'm waking up. What do you want to do with me today? How do you want to use me in this moment? I have this conversation opportunity with somebody. How do you want to use me in that? Because, folks, you know, you think you, 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 some of you are retired. Many of you are retired. You're on the, the issue, and you may say, I'm not able to do what I used to do. I'm not able to do what I used to do. You know what? That's fine, because the issue is not your ability. The issue is your availability. The issue is not your ability. Your issue is availability. And also the issue is not ability. It's your alignment with the Lord. What do I mean by alignment? You know how your cars need to be in alignment for you to effectively drive and move forward? Think of the military. The military works best when all the soldiers in the platoon are in alignment with the commands of the commanding officer. They're all working as one team in alignment. You will be used mightily, no matter what your ability is, because God knows your ability. He's, he knows what you can do, what you can't do, and what he can empower you to do. You need to be in alignment with him. That's the issue. And, and you may say, well, how, what's that look like? How, what's that look like? It means getting out of bed every morning and making him the first priority. It means coming to him in praise because God inhabits the praises of his people. It means regularly confessing your sin before the Lord so you are a clean vessel for his use. Somebody asked Tony Evans, what's, you know, Tony Evans, a prominent pastor here, affected my lot greatly. Hey, Tony, what's the secret to your ministry? Do you know what he said? Keeping short accounts with the Lord. Regularly having those times of confessing sin to him on a regular basis so that we're clean vessels for him to use. Because you know what? When we sin and we don't confess and we sin and we keep making decisions, our minds get cloudy. We turn inward instead of outward. We become more selfish. We need to be in alignment with him with confessing our sins, to coming to him in worship, and then just availing ourselves to him throughout our day. Keep the conversation with him going. And, and you're talking to someone, but that someone doesn't know. It may be a grandchild that, that may have wandered from the Lord. It may be a neighbor. And they don't realize that while you're talking to them, you're also in your mind talking to the Lord. Lord, do you have an assignment for me in this conversation? Do you have an assignment of encouragement, of sharing the gospel? What's my assignment? So again, the issue is not ability. ability. The issue is availability and alignment with the Lord. Amen? Um, um, so we need to be thinking about that. So my question is, 
Are you still giving yourself to God for him to use you to pour out to other people? And is there somebody in your life who's pouring into you? Because in order for me to pour something out of this can, what had to happen? Somebody has to pour into this can. And you may say, sure, David, I come and I hear Pastor Swindoll. I come here to Stonebriar. But let me ask you a question. Is there anybody that knows the real you one-on-one and loves you even though they know you're a mess sometimes? And, and, and it's not just the person that tells you what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. I'm not talking about a control freak. I'm talking about somebody that loves you enough to tell you the truth about yourselves. And you may say, David, you know, I'm older. I'm kind of set in my ways. I understand that. I got my routine. I understand that. But you need people to be able to speak into your life. And then do you know what happens when I hear criticism from somebody? Or I hear it from a welcome source? Or You know what I do with it? I take it before the Lord and I say, Lord, these were hard words to hear. If this is... If this criticism was of you, I need you to let me know. If it's not, help me to forget about it, to forgive, and move on. We need need those people in our life to speak into our lives. We need those people. So be flexible, be in alignment, because sometimes God chooses to speak to us through the words of other people. And you may say, man, you know, I'm to the age now, I'm just... Ready, I don't know how much more I can change. Folks, what's the goal in life? We are constantly being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That means change no matter how old we are because none of us have arrived yet. Keep striving, keep coming before the Lord, and getting your assignments from Him. It's very important because you're not done with your race. You're not done with your race. Let's Read the next part, verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul says this like he's on mile 25 of a marathon. He's still going. He's got 26.2 miles total. He's on mile 25. He said, yeah, look, looking back, man, I've run the race. I've fought the fight. I'm still running this race. How silly of it would be for someone who is on mile 25 of the marathon to stop, to go to the sideline and start applauding. Yeah, you you guys go. You run. Finish up. Sometimes in life we're tempted to do that. Man, I've done so much. I'm just going to take a break. I'm going to let other people do it. And I'm just going to be the cheerleader and the... Mm-mm. We're still called to finish the race and to be able to say at the end of our lives, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, and I've kept the faith. If you go to, if you go to AT&T Stadium to watch the Cowboys, there's two points of view. There's the point of view of the person in the stands watching as the spectator, and then there's the person of the, there's a point of view of the player that's on the field in the game. In the arena, what God and what Paul is saying, hey, I know, I know you've run this race a long time, but now is not the time to pull back, go back, go up in the stands, get your popcorn and watch. You are in the arena. You are still in the fight. You are still in the race. 
keep on going. You may say, I just don't have the ability. If you don't have the ability to run the race, walk the race. If you don't have the ability to walk, crawl. If you don't have the ability to crawl, roll, or get people to help you, you're still moving forward. God's not done with you. God has more assignments for you. That's very important. They may look differently than the assignments you had when you were 20, when you were 30, when you were 40. It doesn't matter. There's still assignments from the Lord. And remember, it's not your ability that matters. It's alignment with him. That's what, And your availability to him, what matters. I fought the, finished the race. I've kept the faith. Finishing the race, he ends up by saying, Finally, there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Hang on just a second. Here's the deal. When you're running, how many of you have ever run a race? A lot of you. How many of you have run 5K or more? 10K? Anybody? All right. You know what? You know, when you're halfway through or you're three quarters of the way through, man, there are some times when you're like, man, this is hard. Man, this is, this is difficult. You know what I found what helps me when I'm there? And I'm like, man, can I even go on? You know what I start thinking? I start thinking about the finish line. What's it going to be like when I cross that finish line? And when I was younger, I would make myself little goals. David, if you will just finish this half marathon, I'm going to let you take yourself out for prime rib tonight. (laughs) You cross that finish line, prime rib is waiting on you. It's the same way in the Christian life. Paul says, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness with the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, not to me only, but to those who love his appearing. So here's the deal with that. Sometimes if you're tired in life, if if you think, man, how can I even go on? Sometimes it's good to think about the finish line, to think about finishing up and arriving in the next life. Who's going to be waiting for you there at the finish line when you're done? Same person that was waiting on Stephen. For when Stephen was stoned, what did, what did Stephen say? He looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God to welcome him. And sometimes in our quiet times with the Lord, or if we're going through tough times, we need to remember this life is just a breath and we have Jesus Christ himself waiting for us. And I love this. Also, to all who have loved his appearing. And my question to you is, as you get older, as you age, do you find the love that you have for Jesus growing? Are you becoming more intimate? Are you becoming more and more um, attracted and more and more in love with Christ as the days go by? So that, so that, When we do finish this race and we do see Jesus, it won't be as an acquaintance. It won't be as a stranger. It'll be like, I've known him all this time. And each day that goes by has been sweeter. And it's just like meeting a pen pal for the first time. I've not been able to see him, but now I see him face to face. 
Are you ready for his return? Because sometimes when we think about it, thinking about the finish line and who's waiting for us at the finish line will help give us energy now right where we are. I want to close with this. I want to close with this. Remember, the big idea of this is the best way to prepare for your departure in this life is to what? Prepare for your arrival in the next. Taylor, are you ready? All right. I need you to stand up. Boy, we're going to see how this goes. All right. This is the last thing and then we're done. All right, Taylor, I need you to just take this. All right. This rope symbolizes the timeline of your life. All right? Now, Taylor, I need you to walk that way just a little bit, all right? It's getting longer. It's getting longer. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, yep, I feel about that old. I feel like my life is about that long. Stop right there. This is the other end of the rope. What I haven't told you is, yeah, this is, this is, this represents a timeline in your life. (laughs) See this red right here? This is your life in this world. This is your life right now from the time you were conceived, born, school, marriage, whatever, to it ends here and either Jesus comes back or you go home, this is the end of it. And you say, what, what's the rest of it? The rest of it is your life in the next world. Now, Taylor, this, well, this white is the next word. Keep going. Keep going, Taylor. Keep on going. Keep on going. Go, Taylor. Go, go, go. Go, Taylor. Go, Taylor. Go, 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 go. Keep going. Keep on going. Go, Taylor. Now look where Taylor is. All right. Keep going, Taylor. All right. You can stop now. We could send Taylor out the door with that rope if this was really representative. He could get in a cab, drive to San Francisco, get in a boat, keep going to Tokyo, lap the globe a couple of times, and he still would not have the entire length of the white part of this rope, meaning our lives in eternity. Folks, this is our life here. Now, some of you think it feels like this is your life. When you put it into perspective, this is it. I don't know where you are. You might be here. You might be here. You might be here. Let me tell you two things. Number one, what happens here? determines a lot of what happens here regarding your evaluation, (laughs) your reward, your next assignments in this life. Number two, some of you feel like, hey, if only I can endure the rest of this, I'll be fine. You need to switch your perspective. It's not, can I endure it? Can I get through it? It's, how can I make the most of it? How can I make the most of it by availing myself to God to pour me out in the lives of others for things that matter? And you want to think, man, do I have time to do that? Look at your entire schedule, and here's how you evaluate it. Is everything on your schedule evaluated? Is it really going to matter when you get here? Does it have eternal consequences? Because remember, remember, 
The best way to prepare for departure from this life is to prepare for your arrival for the life to come. And Paul, at the end of his life, was able to say, I have run the race, I have fought the fight, I have kept the faith. And you know what I know? One of the first things Paul heard when he saw the Lord Jesus face to face, do you know what I think he heard? <laughs> Woo, well done, my good and faithful servant. And folks, that doesn't just go for Paul. That is my hope, that is my prayer for everyone here in the room today, and you may think, David, this is so depressing. I'm looking back at my life, and I'm thinking, is it too late? If you've got a pulse, if you've got breath, you can start now. When you're in a race and runners approach the finish line, are they just walking along? That's No, that's when they begin to kick and to sprint toward the finish line. And I'm telling, I'm going to encourage everyone here, the finish line is coming we have no idea when it's coming, but it's coming. Now's the time to start kicking into gear and sprinting toward the finish line where Jesus Christ himself will be there. And we want, to, we want him to see us face to face, to face and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, thank you so much for this group. Thank you for the privilege of coming today. Lord, it's, just, it's a concept that changed my life, Lord. It's not all about this life because this life is going to pass away and all the things in this life are going to pass away, Lord. It, what matters is the next life with you where we'll see you face to face. Lord, give us discernment as we evaluate our lives, Lord. What are those things that are going to count for eternity, God? And just give us the margin and bandwidth to be able to invest more in those things. Help us to keep our eyes on you, even through difficult times, even through pain, hardship, sickness. Help her to keep our eyes on you. And finally, Lord, we all look forward to the day, the glorious day when we see you face to face, Lord. And we want to come to that day sprinting as hard as we can, no matter our ability, Lord, because we know that's really what matters, the bottom line, all said and done. We love you and we thank you. Thank you for this week. May it be a week full of opportunities you give us and give us the boldness and energy to take advantage of those opportunities. In Jesus' name, amen. I would love to see you guys at the annual lunch. Send us an RSVP or let us know. You were dismissed. Thank you.